If you do have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to 1 Samuel 17. If this is your first time with us or you haven't been with us in a while, we've actually been taking the bulk of this entire fall season since September to talk about this profound truth that Jesus came in the flesh, that God being this incredible being, it says that God is spirit. He's not human like us in that when God, when it says that God is love, it says that God is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, that those are in terms that we can't comprehend, that He created the universe at His own breath and at His own words. That's a pretty big God, and what it says is that in our own human capacity, you could never understand God. You can't. You don't have the capacity to do it. And so what God did was, in order for us to understand and to relate to Him, is that He put on flesh. What better way to relate to a human being than to become human himself? And that's what Jesus did. And not only that, but he died on the cross for our sins. And so we've been looking at this uh, beautiful truth that in the same way that Jesus was sent to the world, so are you as a believer and a follower in Jesus sent to be present and to love the world and to lay down your life for the world in the same way. And if you remember last week, we talked a lot about this idea that You don't just have a faith that's information. You don't just say, well, I acknowledge this, adhere set of beliefs, and, you know, my moral code is the same as people. That's that's not it when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. What it says is that you have this faith, but it's a faith that spurs you to have a cause that backs you up. When you look at Jesus in his time on earth, he was someone who very much was present in the world. Jesus was not absent. Jesus was not in a bubble by any means when it came to being present. Jesus was at the forefront. He was someone who addressed things like discrimination. Jesus addressed racism. Jesus addressed corruption. Jesus addressed all kinds of issues in the world around him. And it was beyond just saying that's wrong and that's right, but he's saying that's wrong and I am the way, the truth, and the life, and only in me can those things be healed. Because we as Christians believe that to every issue that there is in the world, there's not natural solutions to spiritual evils that are caused in the world around us. What the word says, even that the son of God came to earth to destroy the enemy's work is what he said. See, we believe that in Jesus being present in the world and standing and fighting for something that not only is our bad things prevented, but God is for and he goes and he heals. We believe in that and we see that in Christ around us. And so we talked about a lot about how you have to have a cause for your faith, that God has a purpose over you, but even more so, he gives you something to fight for. And we talked about how that's something at the equivalent, what Jesus would say is food. Say food with me. Food is good. Food is something that as described, you can't live without, you will die. So it is with your own faith that if you're not standing for a cause and your faith isn't spurring you to fight for something in Jesus, that it will die in the same way. But also the opposite is true, that when you are eating a healthy, everybody say healthy, healthy amount of cause and it's feeding your faith, it's only going to grow you up and make you fit for the work that Jesus has for you. And so that question can dawn on you, well, okay, all right, Pastor Jeff, I have a cause. What's my cause then? That's a big question to ask. And I would say, whether you feel like you know what your cause is or not, that is a good question to ask yourself every single 
day and morning. Jesus, what is the cause that you have for me before this day? How do you want to grow me in the cause that's before me? Can I get nods around the room? That's something that we are constantly asking God, whether we feel like we have no clue why, or we feel like we have a good grip on him. But what I want to do this morning, if you're in 1 Samuel 17, I want you to look at verse 31. That's where we're going to start. This morning, we're actually going to look at a man. Many of you guys are familiar with his name. Um, is David. Many of you know him as King David in the Bible. How many of you, by just a show of hands, have heard of David and Goliath? Just in any former context, most people have heard of it. In fact, it's not just a popular story among churches. It's a popular story around the world. That This is a story among secular communities, too, of, you know, underdog and the favorite and stuff like that. That this is a pretty common story of what happens where David defeats Goliath on behalf of the Israelites against the the Philistines. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Because when it comes to having a cause, David was someone who showed it better than anyone around him. Now, just to give you guys a little bit of context so you understand what we're reading this morning. At this point in the story, the nation of Israel and the nation of the Philistines are at war. Everybody say war. They're at war against each other. And they literally have battle lines facing each other. And what the Bible says is there was a champion named Goliath. Now, if the Bible refers to you as a champion, you're a big deal. Amen? So he is a big, big deal. He is coming before the Israelites and he is smack-talking them, saying that they are going to die. He is going to commit a genocide against the people and that their God cannot stand against his false idols, can't stand against him in his own strength. And what it said was, when it came to the nation of Israel, including their king at the time, who was King Saul, that they were literally shaking. That It says they were filled with terror whenever Goliath stood up. And it said that for 40 days straight, he stood up and he smack-talked them. He trash-talked them, and they didn't do anything about it because they were scared. Enter in David. There is a man named David. At this point, he is not King David. He is a teenager. Everybody say teenager. Put yourself in his shoes because you're the same age as David in this story. All right? That's true. And yet, what it said was he wasn't even invited to be a part of the war because he was so young. In fact, what it said in verses 14 and 15 is that he tended the sheep instead. How many of you would like to have the job of taking care of the pets during a time of war? You know, that probably wasn't the most important thing in the world, but it was something that he was up to the task of doing. I don't know if any of you have taken care of sheep before in your life, but sheep are pretty dumb, amen? Sheep will walk off cliffs, all right? They'll roll under and they'll stray away. And so all he had to do basically all day was protect them and make sure that they didn't die, all right? Maybe not the most important job in the earth at that time, but it was something that he did. And in fact, what it said was one of his jobs was bringing cheese to the soldiers, How many of you would like to be a cheese deliverer as you're calling in life? Probably not the most, like the guy, you know, like at nice fine dining who's like, cheese, bread, you know, like with the suit and the bow tie. That was David amongst the warriors. And so he was bringing that to the Israelites one day. Cheese, cheese, anyone cheese? And what happens is Goliath steps up and he starts smack talking. David hears this and he's like, and he literally says, what? What is anyone going to do about that? He says, what will be the reward for the person who does something about that? 
And word gets out, and he finds himself before King Saul in a conversation about what to do with Goliath. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. I want you to look at verse 31, and this is what it says in God's word. It says, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him, King Saul. And David said to him, he said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, referring to Goliath. He says, your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out and fight against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. That's a pretty rational response by Saul. And this is a matter of life and death. If David loses this battle, it's going to cause a rout of the entire army, which makes it kind of ridiculous that he'd say, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Good reason to go fight and save a nation. Amen? He says, I've been keeping my father's sheep. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Boss mode. Amen? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, if you don't know what that word means, please ask your parents later today, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me, From the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. He convinces him. He's like, all right, you got me. I want you to go fight against him. And not only that, he's like, take my armor. And we read on, it says, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And he says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, approached the Philistine. And we know the rest of the story. Can you guys say amen with me? When it came to people of the day who stood for a cause in the Lord. There is no one better to look at, first than Jesus, but also someone like David in this. Asking yourself what your cause is is a big question that you should ask yourself. But looking at examples, especially in God's Word, is the most effective way to learn it over your own life as well. And someone like David, I think that it's important to notice is that when you think of him, you might think, well... I know what David's cause was. He was a king. He was meant to be king over Israel. And that was something that he did. But did you know that David's cause was not to be the king of Israel? That wasn't his cause. That was something he did. But he wasn't always the king of Israel for his life. Yet God was with him and had things in store for him. But what it says in the word is that David was a warrior. That he was someone who fought the battles of the Lord. In fact, he's someone who's delivering cheese, might I remind you. And when he hears Goliath's voice, that it bothers him so bad that he risks his own life to fight. That is a cause coming up within him. That's his cause beginning saying, no, someone needs to stand for the Lord in this moment. 
You were made in the same way to have certain things about you that cause you to stand up and to fight for what is right and to fight on behalf of the Lord and not your own cause. Amen? And in that, what you see is that David wasn't meant to be king necessarily as his cause, but it was to fight the Lord's battles because he was king for a little bit of time of his life, but he always fought God's battles, whether he was a teenage shepherd or whether he was an adult king. Young and old, no matter what situation and what circumstance he found in his life, he was fighting for the Lord. And in fact, if you know the full story of David in the Bible, what it says in one particular passage in 2 Samuel is that one time the armies went off to war and he decided to stay behind. He should have been fighting a battle with them and he said, no, I'm going to stay back. I'm not going to fight. And what ends up happening is he falls into sin. That when you're not actively pursuing the cause that's over your life, when you're not pursuing and proactive and you stand back from the causes of God's life, you make yourself subject to making decisions about yourself rather than living your life for something else and something greater. Amen? And so what you see in this story is you see a man who stood up for the right thing. And when it comes to David being a warrior and fighting for the Lord, you see a correlation between his faith and his cause. But I want you to understand that your cause isn't just a job description that's put on a piece of paper. Some of you might think, well, all right, what's my cause? Well, I'm in high school. I don't even know what I want to do yet. You don't need to know what you want to do yet. Because your cause is something that's more reference to your character and who you are. It's recognizing the way that God has made you and wants to continue to be built up. What if, when somebody asks you what is your cause or what's your purpose in life, you looked at the content of your own character, what kind of person you are, your values, what you stand and fight for, rather than necessarily the things that you did. I think it's funny when people approach me and they say, well, your cause is to be a pastor, Jeff. And it's like, no, it's not. My, my cause is to shepherd and help people to the Lord. Because the minute I stop being a pastor and I think, well, my cause is to be a pastor, then I'll stop caring. I'll go, forget people. But that's not it for us. Your calling is good no matter what you do and what you work for, no matter what age you find yourself in. And it's something that you don't necessarily need to work for because when you're bringing your cause and growing in the Lord, he brings it for you. And here's something to note about this story. I want you to think about this for a minute. David didn't fight Goliath to become king. David fought Goliath because it was the right thing to do. He didn't think, oh man, if I, you know what, if I go down and I strike down Goliath, I'm going to be famous, all right? He didn't do that. He said, this is the right thing to do. And even more so, when you know your cause, you will stand for what is right, even when other people don't around you. Amen? That here is a man who literally was standing among the armies of Israel, warriors, soldiers, none of them will fight against them. And instead of going to Saul and going like, Saul, you're the king. Why don't you fight against them? Come on, man. Like... Or going, why don't you send your best soldiers against him? He literally goes, no one? Okay, I'll do it. Don't worry. Don't worry, Saul. I got you. What if your cause was something that you didn't need to wait for other people to do before you did yourself? What if you were looking in the face of hate or in the face of evil and God wanted to redeem something? What if you had a friend in your life that you knew was struggling, that was in bondage, that needed someone to lead them to Jesus in that season or in that moment in their life? And instead of going, oh man, I really hope the church reaches out to them, or 
oh man, Lord, I really pray that you bring someone. What if it's like, no one? Okay, that's me. That's my turn. I know what's right. This is what I'm going to do. That's how God wants to work with each and every one of us. Amen? It's a beautiful thing that God wants to do with each of us, and it starts with the content of our own character. So I want to drive home just one point this morning, and it's this. When you, so your cause is a part of your character. Yeah, everybody nod your head. Maybe you're like, no, I'm not listening. (laughs) But it's a part of your character. All right, so if my cause is who I am, not necessarily what I do, how do I develop that? How do I learn about that? And how do I let God grow that within me? Well, I think this story illustrates a beautiful point, and it's simply this. It's that your cause in life, it's found in the sheep pasture. It's not found in a battlefield. David didn't learn about who he was when he was talking to Saul, nor did he learn about his cause when he was fighting against Goliath. That was something established long before he ever even talked to Saul. And in the face of a king, a king, might I tell you, telling David that you're not good enough and you can't do it and you're not enough, David looked back and said, well, actually, from a higher power, I know who I am and I know what the Lord can do in me because I've already listened to him, I've already spent the time, and I'm confident I have seen God work through me in the pasture. The pasture is not a glorious place, but the pasture is the most vital one to each and every one of our own lives. This is what a pasture is to you guys. This is your alone time with Jesus. This is the personal relationship that you have with God. And I want, I want to be clear about that. It's your time with God in the Word. It's prayer. But it's not just saying, well, I read the Bible, so now I'm good. Did you know that you can read the Bible without Jesus? Did you know that you can read the Bible and it could be more about you than a sharing a relationship with God or allowing God to speak to you through this? It's a growing place. God, teach me your word. Stretch me. Don't just teach me who you are, but change me. God, speak to me through this word. And sometimes, amen to this, sometimes reading God's word can be a little difficult because God's very honest, amen? And thankfully, he is. So when you're in a time and you're like, man, I just, I hate that person. I can't believe what they did to me. I'm so offended by them. And then you read this passage that says you need to love your enemies. You need to turn the other cheek. You need to love them because God loves them the same. And it's like, ah, all right, Lord, that's the truth. I'm not going to skip over that. But Lord, teach me that by your spirit. Grow that within me. Those are the lions and the bears. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're struggling with something. And then you find encouragement in God's word. And God says, this verse is for you. This is something I want for you. And you hold on to that. You wrestle through the word and you let the word read you. You let the word sculpt you, shape you into the person that backs up your own cause. David didn't just go to the pasture and run away from lions and bears. Otherwise, he would have never been able to fight against Goliath. But he fought the lions and he fought the bears. And I don't know what those are in your own life. But those are the places where God builds you up into the man or the woman that's going to make you fit for the task and the cause at hand. Amen? What is that in your life? Where is that place within you? Whatever you feel about the Bible, I would just say is that spending time with God and sharing in God with this word on a daily basis is a decision that we all get to make. Sometimes, maybe you're someone who's like, well, I go to church all the time. I go to all the events, and so I don't need to spend time with God in His Word. 
this is the most important thing that you could possibly do, even beyond our times gathering, beyond any other thing we can do, because this is the pasture where you meet God, and God speaks to you. God builds you up in who you are. And you know what? We all have a decision to make in our own lives of whether we want to enter the pasture or not. Did you know that? That God's not going to force you into the pasture. If you want to be someone like, nah, I don't want to spend that time with God. I don't want to go there. That's boring. Sheep are boring. Lions and bears are boring. I want to go for the Goliaths. I want to be in the war. I want to be on the front lines. But let me tell you something. We have a decision to make in our own lives of where we want to spend our time, whether in the pasture or in the battlefield. And when you say, I don't want to be in the pasture, you know what you become? You become like one of the Israelites who was shaking and refused to fight against Goliath because the confidence in God was not there in their lives. This is what happens. When you miss out on the pasture, you'll be a part of God's army. But anytime something hard comes your way, a Goliath comes your way, you'll be timid and you'll be afraid and you'll be scared even though God can bring you through it. Amen? But when you spend that time and you fight and you learn how to trust God and His Word, you can look at a Goliath and just say, okay, guys, this is nothing to freak out about. All right? God's got us. When you see a friend that's hurting at school or maybe you see someone going through a difficult season you see something happen, you're going through it as well. Someone treats you a certain way and you're like, Guys, there's no problem. We have Jesus who's bigger than all of this. Guys, we got this. We spent the time. We know who to trust in in this season of time. That's what God has in store for us. In fact, it's pretty interesting to think when Jesus says he was talking to his disciples about those who listen to his words and put it into practice, those who spend the time with his word and build it up in him. And he says this. He says it's like someone who built their house deep on a rock. It's like this foundation of your life. You can stand up against anything. You can stand for Jesus in anything. But what it says is when you don't do that, you're just, you have this weak foundation in your life. You'll just, once something rough kind of comes along, once somebody pushes you a little, you'll just fall over. God doesn't want that for our lives. And how would we know how to build our lives on his word and what he has in store for us unless we hear it? Amen a word for all of us this morning. I know one thing about the Bible, too, is that it could be difficult. You know, maybe you're like, well, it's just really convicting, or I don't understand a thing about it, but let me ask you something. Um, how many of you have ever written a love letter? <laughs> Everyone's like, no, just on Wednesday, you know? <laughs> so I want you to think about something. If you had to write a letter to someone you love, not your crush, don't worry, all right? I'm talking about like a family member, maybe it's a parent, someone that you love, all right, and you couldn't see them. Let's say they like lived across the Atlantic Ocean, and they were far away. First of all, I'm sorry for you. Second of all, like, let's say you wrote a 1,300-page note to them of how much you cared about them and everything the Lord had in store for them in their lives. Do you think that would speak that you care a little bit about that person, right? Like writing a 10-page paper, double-space, APA format is enough for one week, amen? Come on, high school students, isn't it enough? So if you wrote, imagine, 1,300 pages, that would take you all four years of high school to be able to write that. And you sent that. 
Do you think that would speak that you care a lot about that person and their life if you took the time to do that? Amen? So what's this from God? This is the same thing that the Lord wants to give to each and every one of us, speaking how much he loves us and the cause and the things that he has in store. Is it hard to understand? Are there things you need to ask questions about? Absolutely. But it doesn't discredit the heart or the power that God has behind it in your own life. Where is your pasture in your life? Do you even have a pasture? Maybe you need to make one, and you need to make that decision this morning before anything. It's the first step that we have to make. And when you know your cause in life, nothing can stand against you because you have a confidence in the Lord. I think I can, I hope the leaders can just agree to this as well. But it can be pretty easy to see. Maybe not easy, but it can be fairly evident when someone is spending time with Jesus in the Word on a regular basis. This is how it's evident, let me tell you, without even asking, just watching a person. You see a confidence about their life that's different from those around them. And now it's not confidence in yourself, like an arrogant, like, I'm the man. You know, like, no one can stop me. I'm so good. I read my Bible. All right? Not that. But it's someone who is confident in what the Lord says because they've heard what God says. It's like someone carries this joy and this peace around them and this courage to be able to stand for other people and for what's right because they've heard it and they trust in it and it's been battle-tested. It's like someone has been listening to what God says. That can only happen in the pasture of your life. And so I would just even say this. Maybe you're here this morning and you are struggling with something. Can I ask you something? What has that journey been like alone with Jesus in your life? Has there been a time alone with Jesus and wrestling with that? Because that's the place where he trains you fit for the task at hand. I'm going to ask you as Maury to come up here. And she's going to lead us in a response this morning. And so, guys, can we give it up to you, Zamari? Thank you. Hi, guys. Um, in a couple moments, we're just going to break up in groups of, uh, I was going to say one or two. LOL, do it by yourself. Just kidding. Um, two or three. Um, and then we're just going to break off and just pray. And there's going to be two different things, I believe, on the screen that will guide you through that. But before that, um, I just wanted to give you a little context on why you should be praying or, like, being active in that right now. Um, so um, I guess just one thing that really stood out to me through this sermon that Jeff was just talking about um, in First. Samuel 17, verse 33. Um, I'm just going to read it out to you guys. It says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go. Oh, wow, this is good. Okay, sorry. I got really excited. But <laughs> um, you are not able to go against the Philistine um, to fight, fight with him, for you are but a youth. And so I think something that just, like, really stood out to me this morning is that in your life, and, like, maybe right now or maybe later, maybe tomorrow or, like, maybe even in the past, people have told you that you're not able or that you're, like, weak or that you're too young or that you're too short, eh? Um, or, like, we can climb cabinets and grab spices. Thank you very much. Any short people here? Yes. Thank you. Um, but people are going to tell you that you can't do things. 
But what's so great is that God provides and will multiply the little that you offer him and like the willingness of heart that you give him, he will just like multiply. And so along with the, that, I just wanted to read um, from Matthew uh, 8, verse um, 26. And so to give you a little context, it's a story where Jesus is sleeping on this boat and there's like all the disciples are on there and they're caught in the storm um, and so they run to Jesus, and they're like, what the heck, Jesus, why are you sleeping? There's a storm. And so he, like, wakes up and tells them, um, why are you so afraid? Oh, you of little faith. And I think that sometimes we read that and we get kind of offended, like, oh, little faith. Yikes, do I have little faith? But what was really cool about it and what was really cool to, like, really process in that is that God loves that little faith that gets put out there. Like, because they had that much faith, because they had that incentive to run to Jesus as he was sleeping, Jesus woke up. Like, he woke up from his sleep to run to his children. He woke up and calmed the storm with two words. Literally, he's like, be still, and the storm stopped. So, like, that is, oh, I'm getting so empowered. Sorry, this is really great. But, um, not me, the Lord. But it just, like, is really cool because, God, guys, like, the little that you have, the little that you offer, the little that you, like, want to give, even if it's talking to somebody in your class or even if it's just, like, doing your homework or just, like, being willing to smile at somebody in the hallway or just, like, whatever it may be, whatever you're offering to the Lord, he will multiply that. And it's not to say that you should, like, step back and be like, oh, my faith is enough right now. I don't really have to grow in it. That's not what I'm saying because you should be like constantly growing in it. I'm just saying that like where you are right now, God is going to empower you to use you and you are enough. Like that was like one thing that I just really wanted to highlight is that your faith is sufficient and you are sufficient to do God's work and go out and do that empowered.